Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay, okay, okay. Now, welcome to season one of the Game Artist Podcast and episode one. This is really, I wanted for the episode one to do something very special for you. And uh, so a little while ago, I had this wonderful conversation with Leticia Gillett. We actually, we had it in studio here in Laguna Beach. We have a video of it. You're just getting the audio right now, Um, but we'll get the video up there. And it was just a wonderful, enlightening conversation. And there was a couple of things that I thought were really important to pull out of that for you. Number one, and this is really key to who Leticia is, is is the idea of be true to you. A lot of times when you're going out there looking for work and talking to people, you know, there's this pressure for us as artists to be everything for everyone. But in the long haul, this just doesn't work. And you and I, we don't produce the work that really matters to us at the quality that we really want. And Leticia decided early on she wasn't going to do that. She decided that I don't care if people tell me I got to have something realistic. I got to have something for ad agencies and marketing. I want to do stylized characters. That's what she decided she wanted to do. And I want to work at Blizzard. And that became her focus. And that was what she did day in and day out, right? And I thought that idea, just be true to who you are and what you really want. And the power of that, because now if we look back at it, she's, she was at Blizzard when we recorded this, but she's at DreamWorks now, which is really her dream job. And she got that because she focused on what she wanted, not what she should do, but what she wanted and found and was passionate about. The other thing that I think was really important before I turn you over into the, into the interview was how she leveraged all of her skill to get her there. And you'll see what she did early on is she reached out to a bunch of concept artists and just asked if they wanted their model in three, their concept in 3D, if, if she could use it and, and work with them a little bit to create something in a full 3D environment out of their concept, you know, and if you look at Leticia's work, what what concept artist is going to say no? So she just was out there trying to be valuable to other people and to the community. And I thought that was a really important lesson for us to pull out before I turn you over into the conversation. Because if you're looking to go out there and get that job, level up your career, flip the script, instead of worrying about what you need, look to see how you can be valuable to other people in the industry. Because one of those concept artists is actually the reason she got her job at Blizzard. He went to bat for her and said, hey, I know this girl. She is awesome. You have to hire her. And that, that, was, the, that was the deciding factor. That got her the job at Blizzard, doing what she loved, and the rest is history. Be true to you. Be valuable to your community. Find a way to make that happen. As we start this inaugural season of the Game Artist Podcast, I feel like it's very important for me to remind you that you know, my entire career, everything I have today comes from being valuable to other people, comes to, for, from putting out free content every single week for eight years, from trying to put webinars, over 100 webinars together. Don't limit yourself just because you think you need x y or z go out there be valuable to your community make a difference in your community with the skills with the resources with the power that you have today and that will be the difference in your life all right well let's get to it let me turn you over into the conversation with leticia gillett hey there ryan kingsline here and i have a great, special, wonderful guest with me today. I have Leticia Gillett. Did I say that right? Yes. Not Gillette. Gillette. Gillette with me. And uh, we're, we're going to have kind of just an informal conversation, just so you know what to expect. We're going to have an informal conversation about working in the game industry, about her career and the way in which um, she has kind of structured you know, her learning and her career development. Uh, and so for now, I think um, we'll start out. And why don't you just tell me, like, what do you do now? What's your job now? Right and I know now. there's some NDA stuff there, so just, you know, 
Whatever works. <laughs> All right. Right now, I work at Blizzard. Yeah. I'm the Overwatch King. Yeah. As a 3D character artist, which mainly entails I do the high res sculpting, low res smash, yeah. UVs, baking, texturing. Yeah. And put in the engine with the shaders. Okay. So it's a bit different because when you think about animation, you have a modeler, a look dev artist. Yeah. But for games, most of the time, you got to do modeling and texturing together. Okay. Which good. is fun. Yeah. Yes. So it has been two years now uh -huh. that I've been at Blizzard. I also a teacher, Hanuma. Yeah. I teach a class called Stylized Character, Character Creation. Totally, yeah. Which is, I love that class I made myself. <laughs> yeah. I was like, can I make my class that I would love to take? Sure. And then I made it. <laughs> yeah. And I also teach online for Brazil. Yep. Uh, in Portuguese. Okay. So it's an intro to character creation. That's great. And you're from Brazil. So yes, I'm from it's Brazil. give back time. Yes. That's what I'm doing. That's <laughs> Hopefully <awesome>. good. <laughs> yeah. So what got you into stylized? So if we were talking, because um, you were telling me earlier, you got into this from architecture, right? Right. So what got you into stylized? Character creation. Um, since I'm very very young, like um, I'm in love with Disney, anything yeah. Disney, you know. So I always used to copy the drawings. Yep. You know, I used to do a lot of 2D stuff, and like I was saying before, like I would make little clay, not clay, but like a biscuit kind mm -hmm. of toys, yep. Yep. you know, yep. and characters, and kind of like. Um, it was always my passion was characters, you know. Yeah. But my family background is a lot of architects yeah. on it. So when I start drawing, everyone, well, she's going to be an architect, you uh -huh. know, because she draws, right? Yeah. So when I was eight years old, my dad gave me all my, the rulers, you know, so I can start learning how to do things. Yeah. And, um, but I was always drawing characters, you yeah. know. And so when I saw first time Toy Story, um, Finding Nemo, mm -hmm. uh, Bugs Life, mm -hmm. I was like, what is this? You know, this yeah. is not drawing. What how old this? were you when those were out? Wait, will age you? Give me like a general age range. Uh, were you sure. in your teens 12, or? 13, oh, you were young, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was very young. Okay. Um, at least Toy Story, I think it came out. Yeah, I don't remember. But okay. yeah, I was young still, and yeah. I remember looking at that and like, how does how they do this? You know, it's a witchcraft. Like yeah. we never we had no information on those things, right? Yeah. So I kind of saw it, and I thought it was very well rendered drawings. <laughs> but at some point, I find out that it was three D. Yeah. You know? But it never clicked to me that I could do that. You know? Yeah. When it's did you click on 3D? Because it that's I, I know people that when yeah. Jurassic Park came out, uh -huh. they knew they were like, Shh, that's the end of my career, right? Yeah. Because they were all like traditional sculptors. <laughs> right. And they saw all the digital stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But like, when did it click and you knew it was digital? Um, I think it was about fourteen, something oh, wow. like okay. that. Yeah. yeah. But it never occurred to me that I could do it. You know? uh -huh. In my head, I could be a drawer, but that it was like something else. I had no idea how yeah. it works, you know? Yeah. So um, I went to art test school and... Um, Your college? Yeah, college. Oh, you went all the way? Not all the way. I, I didn't finish. Okay. I quit. But um, I went in there, yeah. and when I first got in there, I was like, no, that's not what I want, uh -huh. you know? I really want to do cartoons, you right. know? And, and 3D cartoons, like uh, sculpting in 3D. Yeah. So I did about almost two years of architect school still because, you know, I had some family history. So you mm -hmm. got to be sure that you don't want to do that, right? right? And crush everyone's dreams before. Yeah. So, yeah. but my parents are very supportive. Like when I said, that's not what I want. They're yeah. like, go find out what you want. They've always been that way, so I was very lucky that way. Mm. Like, when I, I did music for a long time, I played uh, professionally for about three years. And what do you play? Guitar. Okay. And singing. All right. So, <laughs> I don't sing anymore. Okay. But I used to do it, and um, they're very supportive, too. Mm -hmm. Like, if that's the career you want to go in They're very... They taught me how to dream, basically. You know, mm. like, they never cut my dreams away. So I always felt like... If I can dream it, I can do it. I just need to put the hours on it. Right. You know? So I think that's how I, I got here, you know? Because yeah. I didn't, I wasn't scared of dreaming being here, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I went to architect school and then I quit architect school. But then I start, I had connections with architects and things like that. So I started yeah. doing maquettes in 3D. Yeah. You know? So you learned some of the software when you were in architecture school. You picked up some mm, of the. I learned AutoCAD. Okay. So yeah. th mainly like Blender and 3ds Max. So yep. I kind of taught myself in the beginning. Okay. So I'll get online tutorials or which was very low right yeah. at that time. Yeah. <laughs> There's not a lot. Yeah. 
I a lot of books. I would get books. Uh, yeah. Maya book. Not Maya at that point, but 3DS books, Blender books, and I would do a lot. Yeah. And that was fun. You know, it's kind of a different process of learning. Totally. You, you know, um, you couldn't compare yourself too much at that time because there's not a lot. Of, you know, there were a few forums, but there's mm-hmm. not a lot of Facebook stuff happening. So mm-hmm. you kind of had a little more freedom instead of getting so anxious of comparing yourself to yeah. other people, yeah. which was nice. Uh, yeah, but I did a lot of maquettes, so 3D maquettes, and um, but I was always doing cartoons inside, like characters, you know. Yeah. So I would make my money with maquettes. So I was always doing characters, and then at some point, I made this super simple portfolio, and I sent to a commercial house in Brazil, and they saw it and they liked it. It's like very funny because I, I made this 3D lemon, you mm. know, with cool lighting and some mm. water going around. And they're like, yeah, we love that lemon. You know, none of the characters they like, just the lemon. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but um, so they brought me in, yeah. and then I started making characters for commercials, uh-huh. just like cutesy, you know, car- very cartoon kind of like characters for, uh, yeah. And that was super fun. Mm-hmm. And that was the time where a school for 3D came to my city, because at that point there was no place to learn 3D there. Yeah. So I'll do a lot online, but a school came. And then I joined that school. It's called Saga. Uh-huh. And um, it's still quite operational, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So I went to Saga and I was very lucky because they they brought to my town their best teachers because mm. they want to make a test of like a great course there. Mm. And I was very lucky because those teachers today are the big 3D artists now in Brazil. Mm. You know, so I learned from great teachers there. Um, so after six months there, I I made a I made a curriculum of a architectural visualization class, and okay. I presented to them. Yeah, and they said, "Yes, you can teach here." Architectural so, visualization. Yes. Okay, great. So because so you truth, couldn't leave it behind. Well, the truth is this: I wanted to teach characters there. Yeah. But I wasn't ready yet. Yeah. But I wanted them to see me as a professional. Yeah. So oh, I was like, "What do I oh, do? Correct." Totally. Okay, maquette. So let's do that. And I presented to them, and I said, six months from now, you guys are gonna let me teach character though." And they're like, all right, all right, we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I taught uh, maquette, 3D maquette for about a year. And then I started teaching character after six months. Mm-hmm. And I did that for three years, you know. So that was kind of my way of like teaching what I like and mm-hmm. also, you know, getting my door. In. Yeah, no, that's important though, because I think a lot of people wait, you know, or, until they learn something. And like you learned how to use your, your strengths. Right. To get you where you wanted to go, right? You know, and that's something that I'm a strong believer in because you know you, you gotta you gotta build your path instead of just waiting to eventually be ready. Yeah, it's hard to know when you're ready. You know, sometimes you gotta jump, and sometimes see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, most of the time, I jumped and it worked well. Hope, uh, thankfully, yeah. but yeah. So. I was very passionate. I was very young also, right? So mm. when you're young, you kind of don't have the fears you have when you got to be older, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right? Tell me about it. So I was like, I can do this. I can, you know? Yeah, yeah. when you don't so, have the mortgage and the right. kids and the, <laughs> the car payments, though, right. you know, as it is. Yeah. At that time, I was living by myself already, but yeah. definitely, like, you know, I could take the risk. You mm-hmm. know? Because I always had support in my family, I always knew, like, oh, man, if I get broke, I can just go live with my mom, you yeah. know, or something. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that was very nice. They gave me the chance, which was nice of them, mm-hmm. you know. And they still teach my class. It's, a, it's called Marquise. Mm-hmm. So they still teach that class there up until today and also the character class yeah. with other teachers, obviously. Um, yeah, so when I was there, about three years after I was feeling comfortable with 3D, I was like, well, I need the next step because my dream was always Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, anything, yeah. cartoon, you know? So I was like, well, now I'm going to research. So I found Noman, I found Vancouver Film School, you know, some schools I, I could find. And I said, okay, I have two years to put some money together. Mm-hmm. So I made a goal, like I need to have this money when two years from now. Yeah. And um, I talked with my parents, you know, and they were like, all right, let's, let's see what we can do to make this work. Yeah. And um, in two years, I came to Noman. I got accepted. And yeah. um, I sold my whole life in Brazil. Mm. So everything, like I closed accounts. I was like, I was ready to never go back. You yeah. Know? I was Burned the re- boats. Yeah. You know, Done. I was like, 
this is behind me. This is now a new life, you know. Mm-hmm. And I came here, and I did two years at Noman, and it's great because you meet a lot of teachers or professionals in the industry, mm-hmm. so you make connections. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very try-hard student, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm always asking questions, and you know, so like I try to make myself visible in some ways, you know. Yeah. Um, and I feel that connections is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, obviously, you gotta train your talent, but. A lot of times in this business, it's like knowing some people and right timing also, right? Yeah. So if you have a good portfolio, a lot of people do, but it's a lot of like knowing people as well. Especially in character, right? Right. Yeah. So I was always try hard at Noma. I'm very competitive in, in a good sense of like, even my husband, like I was very competitive with his work because mm-hmm. he was one class above mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he was doing things that I was not yet doing, right? Uh-huh. And I was like... And that guy, man, he's making my life hard, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I was always like, I need to be better than this, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so was, that was like... So you guys had co- competition before you... He didn't like, know got... that, it was just me. Okay, <laughs> I was okay. competing with him without him knowing, uh-huh. you know? I was always like, the teacher would show his work, I'm like, oh yeah, man, wait for me, I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny, because yeah? that was before even we were friends or anything, you know? Yeah. And I was always competing with him in my yeah. mind. Yeah. So, yeah, when I met him, I was like, let's join forces. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, yeah, so I finished Noman. Yeah. And it was great. I met a lot of great artists. I met my husband there, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So after that, because I'm international, there's a lot of visa complications, right? Yeah. So I did some work for a company called Eclipse, mm-hmm. which is mainly they work with... Um, um, animation studios doing posters. Yeah. So we'll take the, I was actually not doing 3D at all. Oh, I was okay. doing painting. Okay. So we'll take the 3D assets and we'll make a lighting for the poster and we'll fix color variations. We'll create a atmosphere of them feeling the same environment, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a lot of actually painting. Okay. And, um, Photoshop work. Photoshop and, work. Yeah. I would sometimes like, oh, we need, this little, I don't know, chair on the yeah. scene. So I will sculpt the, the chair, I will model it and render it and add it in. You but know? they were the ones that were going to do the visa stuff with you? Yeah. Okay. Well, yes. Okay. So at that time, um, I was doing um, what we call OPT, which after yeah. you finish school, yeah. the school gives you a time to work, to get yes. experience, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. So I was on OPT. And then um, I got back to Brazil and did some work there for about a month. And then I come back and we decided to get married. <laughs> ah. Yes. So we start the process and everything. Yep. And for a long time, I couldn't work. And this is the guy, right? This is the guy right here. Right. Yes. <laughs> He's behind the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, um, when you're in the process of green card, you can work, right? So what I did a lot was I would join with artists, mm-hmm. like concept artists like Randy Bishop. Mm-hmm. And he will give him his concept and I would do it in 3D. Yeah free and then um he will use it on his projects you know so i did that with randy i did that with casey also which is an animator and they needed a model to do some tests and i'm like sure i'll do it i did the model and that was great because actually casey which i did work for free was the person who contacted me about blizzard no way yeah okay (laughs) you know so he's like i put my hand on fire for her she's great i worked with her uh we did a lot of skype meetings and things like that okay and and that's how we worked, you know. All right, so let me let me unpack that. So you you're out of school. Your first job is where you're doing painting, movie posters, right? You know, and then uh, pretty much straight from there to Blizzard. No, after Actually, you know some. After I got a green card, I worked for almost a year with Disney. Okay. Uh, consumer products. Yes. Making yes. toys. Yeah. So I, I was know some doing people there. Sculpting. Yeah. Yeah, so a friend of mine from Nolan, Leo, mm-hmm. he was the one that like, hey, let's get this girl. She's a Disney freak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I did some awesome stuff for like Snow White and um, Beauty and the Beast. Yep. You know, yep. that was awesome. Um, yeah, but it was a freelance job. So I was working from home, which is not my thing, you know. Like you find with time that... I, I am a people person, like I like to be around people and learning, mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, how you do this, you yeah. know, how you do that? Yeah. And at home, 
it was me, my cat, because my husband was at work. Yeah. And sometimes I'll go throughout the day without talking, you know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> so it wasn't for me, you know? Some mm -hmm. people love freelance, don't, and I admire that. I wish I could do yeah, that. Yeah, I, I could do that. Like, I can go a weekend and not talk to anybody. That's like heaven on earth to me. Yeah, that's you know? not me. No, I'm a people person. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love a work environment and, like, talking all the time and... um you know, learning. I feel yeah. like I'm always learning around people, like very little things here and there. And mm -hmm. at home, I was still learning, but it's, it's a slow, for me, it's a slower process, you right. know. And I'm not also very, uh, a very disciplined person. Mm -hmm. I don't I have that. discipline, yeah. you know, I don't. I make lists and I try to keep up with that. That's my best way to try to create yeah. some sort of organization in my yeah. brain. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not. At mm -hmm. work, I have those eight hours, and I'm like, I'm here to work. I do my work, I go home, yep. and turn off, and that's it. You right. know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, it's understandable. You know, the amount of artists that I've met that want to be disciplined is just—it's amazing. But then, yeah. I, I, everybody that says that to me, I remind them, that's why you're an artist. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, if you right. wanted discipline, you'd be doing something else. You know. Right. But you want to let your mind wander. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The best technique I found was with my lists. You know, mm -hmm. when I when I have things on fan. paper, yeah. I don't feel uh, anxious. Yeah. You know, because if I forget, I'm a very forgetful person. Uh -huh. So if I forget something, I know it's on my list. I'm like, well, what is on my list? Yeah. I just need to look there, yeah. and I'm gonna remember. Right. But if I don't make my list, it's over. You know, yeah. I'm gonna be thinking about it like, oh, I can't forget this. I can't forget this. You yeah. know, and that's not just the act of writing it down. You right. know, I think it's important because right. I have I have journals full of just lists, like three pages. This is what has to get done today. So right. You know, yeah. makes total sense. So you're there, you're at home, and this is you're at Disney at this point, right? Yes. But so, it's like a remote job. Right, freelancing. Okay. Yeah. So I was doing uh, great characters, super fun stuff, yeah. but I also love texturing, you know. And so when Overwatch trailer came out, mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit, you know. Yeah. This style is awesome because yeah. it's a mix of like Disney with anime. <sighs> totally, you know? I get it. It's absolutely right they, down they, your aisle. Yeah, they yeah. have a, a very good sense of appeal, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, very everything, the texturing, the molly. So I was like, wow, this is insane. And my first thought was, I'm, I want to work in cinematics, yeah. right? For them, yeah. not game, in game. Yeah. But um, in game has the texturing side of it, which I also love. If you see my portfolio, you can tell that I love texturing, modeling, lighting. Mm -hmm. I love lighting. I like all of it, you know? So when my friend told me, like, hey, there's this position, but it's for games, I'm like, well, I don't have gaming experience at all. I did some stuff in school, but I never worked with games, you know? So he's like, you should still apply. Hmm. I feel like they're like your work. I'm like, all right. So I applied and they loved my work for the style. And they're like, well, we can, you can, we can train you here. But for, to have the eye is not something we can train very fast, hmm. you know? To have the stylized eye is not something, you know, that you can train people fast. You right. can always train. but. To the tech, the technical side of it, they're like, "Don't worry, you get that in a month." No yeah. way. Yeah. That's great. And obviously, I did take gaming classes in that one, so I yeah. wasn't like green, green. Right, right. But I never done professionally. Yeah. Right. So when I got in there, before I got in, I actually studied a bunch of tutorials. It's like <laughs> almost two months, right? Almost two months of just studying uh -huh. a lot of video game stuff and luckily my husband works for video games so he gave me a lot of tips yeah. of like oh this is how i do this this is how i do that so you know it's a fast process of learning uh -huh. mm. when i got there um obviously i learned a ton more but i was able to do assets right away yeah you know yeah so talk walk me through what is what is how does somebody get the eye like for this stuff, for stylized, because for me, stylized, you know, you can go wrong quick. Right. And there was a, there's a saying that um, a sculptor I know said that, you know, the difference between good and great is like it's that much clay, mm -hmm. right? So, wh what are some of the things that distinguish a like a pro piece that's really got it? You know, because right. I've got a lot of students that are looking at Overwatch and they're like, I love this, I want to be able to do this, mm -hmm. but but there's that little bit of it's a little too flat here it's a little too round here you know like mm -hmm. what's what's the difference how does what distinguishes good from great i like to say to my students like this like you got to think of the word contrast 
Okay. okay. So stylized is a play with contrast. It's a contrast between straights and curves. It's a contrast of simple and and um, very detailed, right? In some areas, um, you got a contrast of like um, tapering shapes, also like uh, avoiding parallel lines. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. to give give appeal to things. Um, Stylize, you got to think a lot on the simple side sometimes. And a lot of people, they have a heavy hand on sculpting. If you watch me sculpt, actually, a lot is like, I learned that from Michael DeFeo. Mm. Um, a lot of it, it's small movements. And then you spin the camera and you do a little movement here and then you spin the Because since the beginning, I learned from Michael that the cleanest you are since the beginning, the sharper your model will be. Which is a lot of people, including myself, when you start learning sculpting, you, you kind of have the free hand of like cleaning later, right? And when I took Michael's class on URC, right? Uh, He's super clean. Yeah, he super works clean. super clean. Every decision ha- is conscious. So I learned that from him, you know? And, and if you see my work before and after Michael, it's incredible contrast because my work before was, was cute. But it was not sharp, you know, it was not like decisive. My, my curves were not decisive yet. I didn't have that eye yet. And when I took his class, I, I, I remember clicking that, you know, like it's like every, I, it's so funny, like I remember his videos in my brain, like him always spinning a little bit the camera, let's fix this bump here, spin a little, you know, and you're like, oh shit, this is for real, you know, like, and a lot of my work is a lot of moving, it's not a lot of editing you know, clay or anything. There's just a lot of movements, you know, and sometimes I add a little bit of clay here, smooth, move around, you know. And also it's a lot of every conscious decision. As every decision needs to be uh, um, conscious of like, is this gonna be more straight? Is this gonna be my curve? Is this gonna flow all the way into his feet? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So all of that, and a lot of it is also understanding design language. That's the tough part, yeah. right? Because like I get curves, like I get the lines and yeah. and the contrast is a great idea, right? Like orchestrating contrast. Right. But then understanding design. Right. That's like a whole, you know, architecture school is all design, right? right? And it's eight years, yeah. six years. So when I, in my first class when I'm teaching is yeah. actually all design class. It's okay. not 3D, it's all 2D. So we just analyze 2D drawings and what make it good design decisions, what make bad design decisions, right? So we talk a lot about that, you know, like um, those those continual lines, right? We call like interlocking shapes. And um, also the decision of like, because here's the thing, when you used to do um, more realistic stuff, if on the design there is a little bump you go around it, right? You want to make it perfect. But then when you're sculpting stylized, you got to decide what is my contrast kind of complex side. Let's say I have an arm like this. So this is a complex side. This is a very simple side, you know? There's not a lot to go on, you know? And you got to have that clean, simple mindset almost, you know? Mm -hmm. And I always had that. I always had a hard time doing uh, realistic because I see broad, big shapes. You know, those simple shapes, they're different in my brain for some reason, you mm-hmm. know. Like, I can do realistic, but never in the sense that I feel happy about it because I just want to clean. I don't want to add, you know, I just want to make my plain deci- decisions and my curves and straight mm-hmm. decisions. I mean. So, yeah, I was never good. Like, I can do a realistic block out very well done, but when you start adding the complexity of visualizing things that are not stylized anymore, I, I just don't have it, you know. I mean, it's something that I have to work on every time. Yeah, there's a concept, uh, the half tones, right? And I remember um, watching some. Uh, actually, I think it, yeah, it was an Overwatch ZBrush Summit kind of thing, mm. and uh, they were talking about the differences in detail of of big planes, small. Okay, we'll put a little bit of wrinkles, like darts, right? Right. And um, so that got me thinking about how artists when they're like in realism half tones is how you tell if somebody's kind of hit the notch or not because right. their half tones are off so like beginner draw drawers they'll every contrast is too hard right but how does half tones fit into the equation of, of stylized right yeah you know and even talking about overwatch if you look at the concept we get yeah 
and we look at the model, they're very different actually. Mm. You know, because there is a style on the concept, there is a style on the decisions that uh, the modeling face. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not very straightforward. Like if you see the folds, for example, on the concept, it's way more heavy than what we do in Motley, you know, because it's just like visually we decide a, a different language for folds and and cloth in general for mm -hmm. Overwatch, you know. Yeah. So you got to kind of understand that language also to be able to talk Overwatch or most of the, to, to scope Overwatch. Yeah. In some ways, yeah. But the halftones, this is an interesting thing because when you're doing realistic, you get surrounded of a lot of photos with different lightings, yeah. so you can see different details. Mm -hmm. For us, we got a 2D with the flat shade in there. Yeah. There is like a, a, a stroke like this. What is that? A strap. <laughs> Can't you see? <laughs> you know, It's like a strap. It's like a belt thing. I'm like, okay. You know, so a lot of, uh, of stylized, it comes from uh, your imagination sometimes uh, as an interpreter, you know. And I feel like realism, it's, it's um, a lot of like understanding how lighting works with, you know, with things on, on your face. But when I get most, if you see most of my portfolio, the, the drawings are just line art with some flat colors. So mm -hmm. a lot of those decisions, you, you got to make yourself of how the shape's going to roll, you know, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. But that you learn doing realistic, right? Okay. Because if you don't have your anatomy uh, uh, base, yeah. how do you going to know? Because you got to break the real. So why don't we talk about that here real quick? Because you're a teacher. Right. So, um, you know, I'm a big believer in anatomy. It's something that I <laughs> I built uh, my early part of my career and training was all anatomy. But I've kind of walked out of it a little bit because mm -hmm. I saw it as like it was this endless, <laughs> you know, in thing you could just go into infinity and you could learn more and There's more. Never and more. end, yeah. Yeah. So, what is it that somebody needs to learn to? Let's just say not to get the job. Let's just say to do the job because mm. I like to see those as different, but. Just to do this job, like how much anatomy, how do you think about anatomy? Why don't we start with just anatomy? Yeah, anatomy I was lucky because like my first teacher of 3D, mm -hmm. he was an anatomy freak as well, ah, you know? Okay. So he would teach way more anatomy than I wanted to know yeah. at that time, you know? Yeah. And now I'm so thankful, you know what I mean? Because we would do 2D schematic anatomy drawings, you know, it wasn't just 3D. Mm. And um, so... A lot of my beginning was actually doing things that I wasn't sure like how I'm going to apply this to stylize, you know, but I was going with it because I trusted my teacher, you know, so and I'm so thankful because I love anatomy, you know, to break it. but <laughs> I love it, you know, and um, so I did a lot of anatomy studying with my beginnings, you know, and when I got to Noman, we learned a lot of anatomy there as well, mm -hmm. you know, which helped me. So when you know how the body should work. It's easier to kind of like, sometimes even when I'm sculpting a very, very hard uh, stylized character, I start with the basics. Like, okay, he has a nose, a mouth, so I'm going to follow my, you know, rules of proportions, and then I'm going to start breaking from there, you know, mm. depending on the character. And uh, so I think anatomy is it's everything for any, any style, you know. Even if it's the minimum you got to learn. Because in class, for example, I teach like broad ideas of anatomy. Mm -hmm. Like... Um, what are the apexes of things? That's very important, mm -hmm. right? Like how apexes work. Uh, what are the main shapes? Silhouette changes, yeah. basically. You know, yeah. a lot of cartoon is silhouette, right? Yeah. Those silhouette clean changes. So uh, even on my intro to ZBrush classes, I do drawings of anatomy, but mainly very schematic, like mainly like, hey, here's how a hip volume breaks silhouette. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not so much like, hey, let's draw up realistic hip to Get understand how to, latte yes no no none of that you know it's medias. more like like almost like um like a plane changes mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. I, I use a lot of um flip images yeah. when i'm teaching so i want them to understand plane changes right. breaks and things like that you know yeah um, so apexes focus on the apex of a form Focus on the silhouette, how an apex can shift as some as it kind of rounds, right? So that right. you understand like the apex of a shoulder, for example, at some points it's here, some points it's there, right. depending on the angle. And then um, the planes, mm -hmm. you know, so you get a clear, like the simple foundational kind of elements. Like how important is it for them to know names of muscles? And well, I think it's up to, like, I like sometimes to memorize mm -hmm. those things, yeah. you know. I like to have at least the main ones that I always use for sculpting um 
I think the main idea would be um, understand the big muscle groups, right? Yeah. And uh, the the bony areas also, right? Because it's not just about muscle. There's some bony areas that mm-hmm. you need to have that apex there too, right? Yeah. So um, that's important. Um, but I wouldn't say like, you know, it's the more you know, the better. That's right. the truth. But sometimes it can be detrimental because I have some students that are very attached to it and they have a hard time breaking it you know what i mean and sometimes i that's why the blockout phase is so important the blockout phase i tell them like there's no muscle anywhere you're blocking spheres everywhere Mm. squash stretch spheres but i don't want any sculpting just moving primitives on the blockout phase Mm. to get form silhouette and shape Right. Got it. Yeah. You know. That's just, great. That's that's actually exactly what I was wondering because yeah. anatomy it's you you learn so there's so much to learn. Yeah. And then you get it and you get committed to it. Right. And so <laughs> when you get into stylized that's a problem. Right. You know, especially like how do you how do you simplify forearms? Yeah. You know, it never looks right, but then sometimes it works, right? It works, yeah. Yeah. You got does the word I always use is simple. If you don't know what you're doing, go simple. Mm. You know? Never go more, you know, like go simple mm. and go sharp. It's like when you have those sharp lines, you create plane changes, you create lighting changes. Yeah. And even if in the end, sometimes I tell my students, go super sharp, go super sharp. I don't want softy stuff because anatomy, people tend to, to go on the soft side of things. I'm like, I don't want soft, I want sharp. At the end, when we're very end, we're like, all right, let's see where we can start softening things. But mm. I want to see my plane changes because this this is stylized, this mm. is caricature, this is pushing shapes. You know what I mean? So a lot of times they tend to always be soft-handed on 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 changes. I'm like no no no, get a mechanical brush. I have a mechanical brush in ZBrush. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be for hard surface, and I'm like, boom boom boom, mechanical brush everywhere, make everything sharp, and then we soften later. We make those decisions. Sometimes like sharp here and then start softening. You know. So you gotta also play with that kind of like tapering ideas of, of details, right? Hmm. So, is, would it be fair to say that that's like the sharp planes? It's almost like confidence in the form. Yeah, right. And, and people You're will believe it. Conscious decisions, yeah. right? That's exactly it. Whereas if it's soft, they can sense the. It's like, yeah, where are you going? I don't know exactly. You know. Yeah. And a lot of cartoon is not just about being sharp everywhere, but it's about. The, those subtleties of like being sharp and going soft and going sharp, you know. Mm-hmm. So I like to have everything sharp so we have a good base. Yeah. And then we start making decisions where it's going to get soft, where it's going to get sharp, you yeah. know. Yeah, let's talk about decisions because especially with people who are learning, one of the things that becomes, I don't know how to say it, it might be a bit of a block, but it's like there's, there's this expectation that, you know, we start a character from beginning and we just sculpt it until it's finished. Yeah. Um, but... What extra layers or talk to me a little bit about your process because the way I tend to think of it is is you know there are these sections where there's you do something and then you have to rethink and you go back and then you do something and you rethink and you go back and I don't know if that fits your process but right yeah definitely um, um, like I said like I use a lot of what I learned from Michael mm-hmm. so before Michael I used to use a kind of Z sphere blockout yes, idea yes. After him, I start using the primitive technique, right. which breaks you from that. First thing, primitives block out are great because they're not connected shapes. Mm-hmm. They're different subtools. So by free, for free, you get sharp transitions. Yeah. You're not getting that kind of soft idea of like Yeah, Mike my, my keeps them in the subtool list there. I do exactly the same. Yep. <laughs> so... I love that blockout technique, and uh, I remember when I was learning, I was like, why is he doing that? I couldn't understand yet, yeah. but after I finished a character with that process, and I saw the result, like, all right, this guy knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, I used, up until today, exactly the same technique, which is basically uh, primitives, right? When you have primitives, you almost like have segmented parts that mm-hmm. you work, but at the same time, when you... In ZBrush, when you press V, right, which it gets uh, silhouette mode, you gotta feel that it's flowing. So it's kind of like it's almost like a, a very cool puzzle feeling of like you gotta be clean, you gotta make those sharp decisions, but at the same time they gotta flow in some way, you know. So 
I love Bloodhound face because that's when I see the character already. You know, mm. even though there's no detail, I can see it, mm. feel it. You know, the proportions, the, the big changes, that uh, the big decisions yeah. that's made there, right? And then you go to secondary decisions where you take that block out and you dynamash it. And then you start doing the sharps that I call, right? The sharp decisions, which okay. is the secondary area where... You call it the sharps. Yeah. <laughs> I love that because I'm a fan of like understanding the language. I tell my students all the time, listen to the words that people say mm -hmm. because that tells that's a window into their brain. Right. And you read between the lines. So it's yeah. so cool. You call it the sharps. Yeah. I'm like, let's put the sharps now, you know. Mm -hmm. And then we start making those secondary decisions of like, what kind of depending on the character, what kind of muscle definition I want to have, mm. right? And sometimes it's just like that little sharp line mm. that is going to separate, you know what I mean? So it depends on the character, obviously, right? Yeah, but that's what Overwatch does really well, I think, right. is it's just a sharp here and a round. Right. And it's the orchestrating of those. Right. It's just... So you got to understand the what is it on the muscle groups that um, needs separation and depending on the muscle right uh, definition of the character uh, the body body type you're gonna make those decisions or not right so if you look at like a more skinny kind of diva character it's, it's very like very little decisions there's a little bit here but everything feels very tubular right mm -hmm. but if you see a character like doomfist which is like a big you know strong dude right. he has a lot of those sharps uh, separating muscles you know and always again never continue um um we've got to be very conscious about like where you stop your lines what is a sharp and soft stop on it mm -hmm. you know that's a lot of that because like sometimes you see someone that's good on stylized but you can see they're still green because everything has the same sharpness mm. everywhere you know and then you, you kind of you gotta you gotta play with that sharp and soft that's what i call contrast right right if you're too sharp, then you don't have contrast. You gotta yeah. have that contrast of sharp, soft and sharp. You know what I mean? Huh. I like that. So your sharps, they're not going all the way. I mean, you are aware of the lines that go through the body, and you right. know, as a, just a sculptor. But when you do sharps, you're keeping them short. Yeah, it depends. You know, like insertion points, right? Yep. Sometimes mm -hmm. like sharper, and then it softens. Totally. You know, it. things like that. So that's what I try to make my students understand, and and I apply in my work every day, right? Yeah, and now that's the sculpting side, the anatomy. But what about you? Said you get into texturing too. So, right, that's a whole different field. Why don't we start with like what kind of software do you use? Um, we use um. um I use the same as at work, yeah. thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> so I use ZBrush, Maya. Yeah. Um, Photoshop, mm -hmm. 3D Coat, mm -hmm. um, getting to Substance Painter a little bit now, yeah. Yeah. still green on that. Yeah. Um, I've seen some amazing texture in 3D Coat. Some yes, some yes, fun for stylized that. 3D Coat, it's very nice, uh -huh. you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I used to use Mudbox a lot for texturing, mm -hmm. but for games, it doesn't work as well in the pipeline for me anymore, right. but I used to love for animation to texture and move box, you know, I, I felt very comfortable in that it's very simple, clean UI, mm -hmm. and you can work very easily, yeah. yeah but I think the, the, the thing that's important, especially with stylized, is, you know, we talk about in sculpting the, the contrast of the sharps, the curves, how does that translate into the texture? Because how is the texture not just a, here's a solid color? Well, that's, that's the thing. Same word I use always. Your yeah. texture got to have contrast as well. Mm -hmm. You got to have breathing room, right? So imagine breathing your character room. has a cape. Yeah. So if you put weathering everywhere on that cape, you don't have a breathing room, mm -hmm. right? On the form, on the, on the color or mm -hmm. shapes or whatever. So um, on Overwatch, we tend to go, we call like, um, go on the edges of things. You know what I mean? So you have a breathing room and then you have some splotches on the edges of things and and that is enough, depending on the contrast of colors, to tell that that character has a lot of weathering or not. If you put it lightly, it's like, okay, she's, she, you know, she cleans her cape here and there. Or if it's very weathery, it's like, oh, shit, you know, this character mm -hmm. is always in battle and doing things, right. you know. So, um, same thing I tell my students, like, always go simple, you know. So put your flat colors, make your gradients work, you know, like... Um, Always think about um, when we when I watch like tutorials for painting, they use a lot of those uh, uh, kind of like change of colors. Right when you go to bright, if you're using let's say orange, you go to bright, you go more yellow. Mm -hmm. If you go dark, you go more red. Right? Okay. So you gotta keep always that. Know diagonal. your spectrum. 
Yeah. And it, does it just fit the color spectrum or do you have like, um, you know, colors that you kind of blend between or? Yeah, sometimes we break a bit, okay. like we create different colors. But um, I like to say like if you have your color swatch, right, mm -hmm. in Photoshop, mm -hmm. some students, they tend to go horizontal. Oh, sorry, vertical, mm -hmm. which is like, oh, it's lighter, go up, it's darker, right. go down. No, if you've got to always go diagonal, ah. you know? So if you are here in the middle and you want a brighter color, you yes. go diagonal here. So you're desaturating. Always and, saturating yeah. and adjusting your value at the same time. Right. Of course, yeah. So you got to play with that diagonal and also your your hue, mm -hmm. right? A little bit. So yeah. if you're going light, you light. If you're going dark, you go down. You know? Okay. So that makes your texture kind of juicy yeah you know yes. it's not like oh it's red no you know it's like you have all the spectrum of colors going on mm -hmm. you know so I, I i normally even at work i put my colors and then i play with my gradients to make it look super cool you know very good gradients and are, is this just painting right on the surface or are you working on the texture or actually you... work a lot in photoshop okay great yeah. yeah so i do a lot using gradient map mm -hmm. in photoshop right. right on top of my bakes yeah so i have ao bake point light bake and a bunch of bakes. Right? Okay, so you'll you'll take your model, you get the low res, you bake everything out, so you get your maps that help you understand where something's curved and right. You have a yeah. lighting map, right, where yeah. you get a little bit of volume volume to figure totally. it out shapes, mm -hmm. and and then I play with my gradients a lot okay. before doing any sort of texturing, you yeah. know. And when I have very cool gradients, the character looks clean but yeah. cool. Yeah. Then I start adding my simple weathering, you know. So yeah. it's always about like if you're not sure, go to simple. Hmm. You know, if you're not sure, there's a lot of students like, oh, this is leather, I'm just going to take a texture and plug it in. And then you make that noise, unnecessary noise, you hmm. know, happening. It's a, it's a, there's no decision there. It's hmm. like, oh, I need to look like leather. But let, no, that's not how it works. You know, <laughs> at least not for stylists, right? Totally. So you got to be, we rarely use textures, yeah. you know, sometimes we use a black and white version and then we change a lot to make very, um, most graphic and then mm. we plug it in five percent ten percent sometimes you know it's a lot it's just on on your colors and a little bit on those weathering decisions of of uh, you know on the edges of mm -hmm. this, you know it's got kind of thing in the middle like this is normally not overwatch style yes got it yeah. <laughs> all right so we were talking earlier before and uh, and i wanted to just bring this up for people because um this career can be so opaque Right, like just looking at it from the outside, you know you want to do it, but what do people do on the inside? How do they get that job? Mm -hmm. So, you told me early on that um, what was one of the things that um, was kind of the constant critique about your work? Yeah. So when I was, you know, I always had my heart in stylized. Yeah. You know. Uh, there was a few months that I was like, maybe I should try realistic. Uh, no, <laughs> I gave up. You know. Yeah. That's where my heart is, you know. So um, my portfolio at Noman, like if, if you know Noman, is a school where it's well known for like sci-fi, monsters, mm. creatures, you mm. know. Mm. So my portfolio is completely different from what do you expect from a school like Noman, right? And um, But I follow my heart, you know. That's what I learned from my parents. So I was doing very cartoon, Disney, DreamWorks-like work. And then recruiters would come around and they're like, do you have a car render or... Uh, you know, a, a realistic car. character or yeah. something. I'm like, nope. And they're like, well, you should have at least one. I'm like, well, but I don't want to do that job. You yeah. know? But obviously, you know, like in my brain, I was, I was so determined to make my reality work somehow mm -hmm. that I didn't want to sell myself for something that I'm not. Right. You know, obviously it's like everyone has different realities, right? I'm not telling people to do that. <laughs> everyone has different realities and different needs. I didn't have kids at that time, mm -hmm. you know. I was uh, wasn't even married yet, you know. I I it depends on your reality, right? Obviously, sure. I have. So in my head, I was like, I, I can if I got broken, I just go back home, start over, right? Yeah. So in my head, it was always like that. So I didn't want to have a realistic piece because I didn't want to sell myself for that. Because if I got a job doing that, it's not a job I wanted, you know. I love that though because that <laughs> I mean it's like commitment. Right. You know, it's like the same thing where you leave Brazil, you get rid of the account, you burn, you burn the boats. Right. And you were committed to this journey. And so, you know, I know the people who are watching this and, um, and have this, like this strong desire, you know, they might be tempted. 
you know, and I tell students they have to do realistic work. In my boot camps, it's realistic work, you know, because right. stylized is tough, you know. Oh, they both tough. <laughs> but I would say, like, I had to have a realistic training yeah. in some way. Yes. To, to, you know, to be able to, um, yeah. and if I could, if I get a job, hey, can you make a style uh, realistic hand? I probably could. I was yeah. going to get a bunch of reference and, and play with it and suffer, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? But I could because I was trained for it. Right. But in my... For me, and it was something I never really wanted to do it as, as a career, you know. Yeah. And you never know, a few years from now, I could need to do that at some point, right? Yeah. But um, I just decided I didn't want to get out of school and do something like that, you know. Mm. But um, I do tell my students, hey, have one realistic piece on your ear. <laughs> because... You know, like, I can't assume that everyone has... Do as I say, don't do as I do. Yeah. Is that, is that how this goes? I can't assume, you know, everyone has different realities, so I'm totally. telling them, don't do it, don't do it. Totally. I I'm being blind, you know, like, yeah. I'm I'm assuming that everyone's like me, and they're not. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah. So, what do you think um, has helped you the most in building the career that you have now, personality-wise, and just in stuff you've done or experienced in life? I have a lot of a beginner's mind. I yes. feel like okay. I love to learn all the time. Totally, yeah. I'm always watching videos. I'm always trying new things, you know. And at work, I I consider myself always always learning a lot, mm -hmm. you know. And and if sometimes uh, my husband is like, I have way too low self confidence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like um, I I always feel like, oh, but I need to learn more and learn more, you know, like type of feeling. Mm -hmm. um, that's just how I am, <laughs> I guess. But um, he can see you from the outside. It's harder when we're the one climbing the mountains and we're right. like, I'm, I'm still at base camp. Right. You know, how can you say I'm, I'm awesome? I've got so much farther to go. <laughs> yes. I get that. You know, I like the idea of beginner's mind. I'm mm. comfortable with that. You yeah. Know? I don't mind. I've, I've come to terms with that over the years. It's just like, you know, I think that it's important. Some people say keep yourself humble, but it's like, I love to learn new things all the time. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's funny because, like, when you come from a school like Norman that is so intense, mm -hmm. right? We talk about that. Like, it's very intense. You're doing so much and your learning curve is so high. And then you get out and then you got this depression because you don't have that stimul stimuli, you know, like of mm -hmm. teachers and students around you. And if you're not a, a disciplined person like me, I had trouble, you know, I almost felt like, oh shit, I'm getting worse, mm -hmm. you know, but it's just like I was kind of going to a redraw yeah. of intense craziness, you know, right? Yeah. And, um, and that's fine too, you know, life is not a straight line. Mm. It's up and now, right? There's like the highs and the lows and you got to learn to live on the lows sometimes, right. even though it's uncomfortable, right? And uh, uncomfortable is a word that I use a lot with my students. Okay. A lot of them come from trying to do realistic. Yeah. And they come to my class and it's only yes. stylized. And I told them, like, if you're not uncomfortable, you know, try enough, you know. That's part of the beginner's mind, though. Right. Yeah. You've got to feel uncomfortable. I tell them, like, in the first class, I make them draw something that they never draw before. Mm. I pick an animal that no, I'm sure no one draw before. And then I tell them, hey, draw this animal. And then they're like, start laughing and getting uncomfortable. And then they're like, okay, well, I'll try it. And then I give them a reference. And I'm like, now draw that same animal with the reference. And then mm. they start feeling a little bit better, right? Mm. And then I tell them, like, what, how did it feel? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm anxious. I'm uncomfortable. I'm like, well, this is my class. Because if you haven't done this, you're going to feel uncomfortable. you got to feel okay with that, mm. you know? So remember, like, Collect your reference. Your reference are your best friends, right? A style reference for a stylized is a great thing. Like I make them do like a realistic reference of like, let's say your character has a bag or something, and mm -hmm. then a style reference where they need to find things where um, how Disney pursue that, how DreamWorks does that, how Overwatch does that, you know? And they kind of need to start learning a new language. It's not a, just about having good photos anymore. So they understand. So they develop like an. A library of aesthetic decisions. Right. Aesthetic decisions. I love that. That's great. Yeah. So a lot of them feel very uncomfortable. In every class, I tell them, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. You guys haven't done this before. You know, it's okay. Not, you know, I'm always uncomfortable and I got to do more realistic stuff, you know. Mm. 
it's fine. It's just part of the process, right? But as a student, when you have some sort of skills very well now, right? And then they got to try something new. There is a big resistance, mm. right? Yeah. And we all have that. I have that sometimes with softwares, you know? Like, oh, I don't, I don't want to have to do this in a different place. I want to do it in my place, you know? Yeah. And, but you got to do it, you know? It totally. depends. So, um, I think that's, yeah, learning how to, uh, and I'm, I'm a very anxious person. I'm going to be very clear here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not like a Zen master or anything. No, I'm more the opposite. Yeah. You know, but the halfway is to know that you like that. Uh huh. You know, because when you know that you're going to get anxious, it almost bring, it brings you a sort of peace. Even though you're anxious mm-hmm. and you're going to be anxious. Yeah. You're kind of like, well, the, but I knew already yeah. I was going to be anxious about this, you know? Yeah. So the moment I started learning, to read myself of like where the moments I get very anxious, where the moments I get, uh, you know, uncomfortable and things like that. That that's the moments now I don't like. Okay, I'm gonna be anxious. And I'm gonna go through anxious this process, but I'm gonna get something at the end. Yeah. You know. So yeah. That's great. <laughs> that's great. So what do you think? Um, if somebody's looking out there, what's one thing, and they want to be in the game industry, right? And I know you know. Um, games is that's the job but really this is a craft for you you know right. you'd be doing film you'd, you know this is right just, yeah this is a craft so if we're talking stylized and somebody wants to be in games um, what is one thing that you'd recommend that they focus on that they do just to make, just to give them the best chance and it could be uh, a skill they learn it could be just a way of thinking it could be you know software I would say like um, do things on the style you like first, mm-hmm. right? When we were kids, what do we do? We copy drawings mm-hmm. that we like, right? I was copying Lion King and, you know, you copying those things. So I would say if you already have some sort of like knowledge of sculpting, now start trying to mimic that sculpting style, you know? So that was what I did when I was in school. I was basically trying to read what is a Disney and DreamWorks and Pixar style and try to copy that to my own way, mm. you know? So I would say that is the best way to kind of start learning the language, right? What is a Blizzard language, right? What is a, um, a Disney language or DreamWorks language? And then you start copying that so you can feel comfortable and then play with it. Right. And then find your own way to say speak that same language, right? right. Because in uh, Overwatch, every single character artist, we have the Overwatch language, but we interpret in different ways. Like, you know, I have a way of doing cloth a little bit different than other person. And this, but we all in the same language. It was just kind of like trying different accents almost, you know. So, um, that would, I would say like start mimicking that, you know, so you can learn. It's not just mimicking. It's like trying to understand why that artist made those decisions, right? It's like there's a pattern in every artist. If you go for it, you're going to see some patterns of things that they like to do in a certain way, right? right? So try to find those patterns. I did a, a lot of that with Michael DeFeo. Uh-huh. I would download all his images from Google. And I'm like, yeah. So he always, there's no parallel lines. It's always tapering shapes, you know, on the eye here. Instead of having this line being completely parallel, it's like, Oh, you start thin and then you go thick and you go thin. You know, mm-hmm. just like this little things that you learn from from the masters, like Michael and Ken Melton. Mm-hmm. You know, and all the, those artists at Disney or whatever. And, and you start learning those decisions. You know, but you gotta go look for it, right? Yeah. You can't just like, you know, it's, it's it's beyond just copying it. It's it's like absorbing, talking it. almost, right? Yeah. I also say that to my students. I gotta talk with the concept almost. You mm, know? I love that. Yeah, I put numbers on my concept. So, like, when I'm teaching, like, I have my concept. Let's say he's okay. a little boy. Yeah. And then I'm like, first thing I do, I teach in my class, teaching my class is like, all right, let's number every part of it. Okay. So, like, I have a leg numbered because a leg is a shape that I need to study, uh-huh. right? I have a hairstyle is a shape I need to study. So, I, I number it. So, how many numbers I have? I don't know, 20. So, I make a list, 20 things that I need to find reference. Realistic reference and stylized reference. How people do that, interpret that those shapes, mm. you know. So, it's, it's the talking phase of like I'm talking with the concept. Like, what are you telling here to me? You know, are you a soft type of character? You know, it's like what kind of shapes I need to research. You go around reading the lines, you know, because 
if you're doing something from a concept, you gotta talk the concept language. Mm. Most, you know, you know a lot that. of times, yeah, a lot of times you see people mimicking concepts, and you you see the character, but it's, there's always that feeling of like it's something missing. Is those decisions that the concept artist made that you didn't put your eye to translate to mm -hmm. it? You know. Yeah. So yeah. you just go deep into that. Yeah, I take time with my concept for sure. Mm. Way more than on the reference phase. Oh, okay. actually. There's this uh, Andre Walling, who's a concept artist, and he has, he has just kind of this meteor, meteoric career. And um, in one of the webinars I had with him, he said uh, he learned concept art by taking one Dylan Cole DVD. And for a year, <laughs> it was one DVD for an entire year, and he just absorbed every single piece of right. that to see like what's the, what was the conscious decisions, right. which I think is actually one of the... Like if there's an, if there's a general arc to this conversation, one of the things that seems to be really important is that you make conscious decisions. Right. And these are conscious aesthetic decisions that you're controlling, not just like throw it up and sculpt it and yes, okay, it looks like Overwatch, yay, right. win. And it's interesting to say that because making conscious decisions, it's painful. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, slow. It's and slow. you don't know if you're like, am I taking too much time? Yeah. And it's, it's also, if you're not used to doing, mm -hmm. it's a new skill, right? Yeah. And as any new skills, like hmm. we have that saying, right? Neural pathways the fire together, stay together. You gotta keep firing that, right? That. You gotta keep firing that in your brain, yeah. that connection. Yeah. So a lot of people they get lazy, and I notice that on my students sometimes. Like they they do in the beginning, the the way I teach them, they get the concept, they put the reference number, everything beautiful, and they don't use it. Mm -hmm. That is supposed to be on your monitor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But my concept is not on a second monitor. My concept is inside ZBrush. Because I don't want my eyes to do this. I want my eye to do this. Right. So I don't get lazy. Because even your concept being on your second monitor can make you lazy. Can make you like, oh, I know that. You're not looking. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So every time if you see me sculpting, my concept is right there inside ZBrush from Spotlight. You know? Because my eyes like this, so I don't get that, oh, so lazy about really looking at my concept all right i teach that also uh because i feel like there's there's a laziness you know like sometimes you like i know how a hand should work mm -hmm. no you don't mm. you never do <laughs> you know you gotta look because that concept that hand in the concept is that concept's hand it's not any right. hand right. there's a lot of decisions there that it can be different yeah you know so are you focused on fingernails as much as you are on like and a whole arm is there it depends right yeah. like if you're doing like a uh if you look at a cartoon like rock and rock mm -hmm. everything on 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 rough right it's very squarish yeah, everything right. so the nails are square everything the whole fingers are square yeah so that's not a hand that's Ralph's hand right you know what i mean so that's the difference it's not especially for stylized you know it's, it's not you gotta really understand that hand that that character created for that for that concept, mm -hmm. you know, that, that uh, concept artist, yeah. you know, and and that's the process of like getting used to make every decision conscious. Yeah. You gotta fire those, you know, neural pathways all the time, and then you get second nature, like everything, right? Yeah. And then you start doing it. Like when I look something, I'm already my my brain is already ding ding ding, ding numbering things, you know, and doing that because I create the routine, the habit of doing that, you know. But it hurts, you gotta get used to it, right? That's awesome. We'll title this, How Not to Be a Lazy Bastard. Yes. I'm lazy, don't get me wrong, but I try techniques that help me. You know? How to work with being lazy. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Leticia, thank you so much. Yeah. And, um, and thanks for sharing. Like it was, uh, there was a lot of things that I learned um, in this. You know, one, the, the deliberate, okay, make your conscious decisions, right? And I remember that, that's a big Mike DeFeo thing. Right. And I remember students were like, well, we're so slow, you yeah. know, but that gives you power. Yeah. Right. And I always say, if you want to learn stylized, go talk with Michael. Yeah. Because that class was life changing for me. Yeah. He was for real. That's you know? great. Yeah. I give him the credit every time I can <laughs> because he's awesome. Yeah. You know? And then contrast, you right. know, and contrast. I love the idea of working around the edges, you know, that's really great. So I learned a lot. Right. Thank you so much for sharing, yeah, and uh, it's wonderful. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How do they find you? Our station. Okay. Leticia 
uh, Gilland. Yeah, we'll put a link down below this. All right. And um, and everything. What's next for you? <laughs> well, I'm. I love teaching, right? Yep. So I'm gonna keep teaching. Yep. I'm hoping this year to make. Um, because last year I made a lot about teaching, mm -hmm. so I was like training my brain to how to pass information, right. reading a lot about, and um, also making online class. Mm -hmm. This year I'm feeling more like maybe I should do go back to do some personal projects, um, you know, more like on a style I like, which is like storytelling. No clay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so work in stories. Yeah, yeah, I like if you look at my portfolio. My when I was a student, I yeah. love storytelling. Uh -huh. I love pieces that has okay. some sort of comic side or, you know, stud side. Something that I can tell a story with my mm, characters. Totally. So I'm feeling something towards that now. We'll, we'll see. That's, that's <laughs> exciting. You know, yeah. start creating your own IP. Right. Yeah. And also, until today, I use your hairbrush. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I was looking for it the other day. I couldn't, I had to download it. Well, I'll give it to you if you need it. I'm a big fan of you also. I just want to let it clear. It's, a, it's like a... You know, kind of like fan moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> Not because at all. I love your videos. They're very inspirational. They make you think a lot. Mm. And a lot of your sculpting videos also, techniques and things like that inside ZBrush helped me a lot. I appreciate it. Kind of make my own thing with it, you Absolutely. know? So thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. All right, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.